1: Hi my beautiful friends, how are you today? I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. I hope you are staying safe and healthy out there. If you are new here, hi, my name is Bailey Sarian and today is Monday, which means it's Murder, Mystery and Makeup Monday. If you are new here, hi, my name is Bailey Sarian and on Mondays I sit down and I talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my Noggin. Noggin. And I do my makeup at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would highly suggest you hit that subscribe button cause I'm here for you on Mondays. Yeah. But other than that, I will shut up and let's get into it. Cause this one is juicy. Today's story is very interesting. It's, I mean, it's got everything. Love, sex, money. Incest, yeah, I said it. I mean, a lot of incest going on. Last week we had some incest, this week we've got it. I guess I'm on some kind of roll here that I didn't mean to sign up for, my bad. So the story I have for you today is kind of like a car accident, you know? Like you wanna look away, but you, you can't. So instead you just kind of break the car a little bit, and then like it causes a bunch of traffic behind you and now you're late to work. It's like that. Let's dive into the compelling story of Candice, who also went by the name Candy, Mossler. Candy Mossler was described by nearly everyone who knew her as a glamorous platinum blonde Barbie who kept her real age a secret. She was a socialite by nature and an adoring wife by choice. Before Candy met her second husband, his name was Jacques Mossler, who was a multimillionaire who had an intense dedication to work, okay? he. Yes, love to work. From a young age, Jacques Mossler was determined to provide for himself and his future family as his widowed mother had managed to do for him as a child. Mossler owned a chain of banks and finance companies from Florida to Texas, and as a result, he was rich rich. Like, he was rich, rich. So, Jaco was married beforehand. In his first marriage, um, he fathered four children who were said to be the apple of his eye. And for the first time in his life, work had come second, and his new family was was first in his life. Jack was a man that many described as being an individual who simply loved helping children. Because he was raised by a single mother who made sure to try her best to provide for her children, Jack felt like he needed to, or wanted to do that f- the same for other kids, which is like, ah. That's so sweet, you know? So when his first marriage fizzled out for whichever reason it did, um, Jack filed for divorce and his life changed directions. It was then that Jack met the also recently divorced socialite, Candy. Funny how they always show up right when you go through a divorce, you know? So Candy never revealed her real age to almost anyone. Very old school. (laughs) Uh, But it was well known that Candy was at least 20 years younger than Jack. And the age gap really didn't mean anything to them because they fell in love. And by 1949, Jack proposed to Candy and the two were married by springtime. The relationship was, you know, it was the beginning of what looked like a perfect love story. Candy and Jack moved into a 28 bedroom mansion in Houston together, where a lavish lifestyle became the new normal for Candy. 28 bedrooms, I would love to know what goes in those rooms because what the hell do you need 28 bedrooms for? Like I can understand four five bedrooms, okay. But what are you doing with the rest of those rooms? Let me know down below. Candy's just loving it. She's like, dude, I hit the jackpot. Candy, she always had a love for the finer things in life. Okay, and after marrying Jack, she was set to enjoy her new lifestyle permanently. She's not going anywhere. The couple often spent their days traveling between their Houston home and their posh vacation apartment in Key Biscayne, Florida. Nearly eight years into their marriage, Candy and Jack, Um, Jack was watching the news one day and he heard um, about a man who had some kind of like manic episode and he ended up killing a pregnant, uh, his pregnant wife and her unborn child in a fit of rage. So Jack is watching the news and he hears this story. The man, who had done this, his name was Leonard Glenn, and he had a history of mental illness, according to officials. After shooting his wife and stabbing his infant child, Glenn packed his other four kids into a car that he crashed into the snowy banks near his house. Police intercepted and brought Glenn into custody immediately, which then left his four children um, orphaned. So Jack is watching the news, he hears this story, and he hears about the four children who are now orphaned, Orphaned, and his first reaction was that he wanted to help. So, Jack at this time was worth over $33 million, and he felt like, okay, like I have more than enough money and 28 rooms. I could definitely take on extra children in my life. So, together, Jack and Candy decided to adopt these four children that that were now orphaned. Amazing, beautiful. Great story, the end, I wish, right? In the four years following the initial adoption of the Glenn children, the life that Candy and Jack had built for themselves was pretty pleasant. In fact, the Mossler family was seen as the epitome of success, both in terms of money and family values. They were just a great role model. Of course, that is until Candy's nephew, his name was Melvin Powers, entered their lives. So who is Melvin Powers, you ask? Well, let me tell you. He's a 24-year-old American businessman who was originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Before diving into the world of business, Melvin was in the United States Navy for a few years. Um, after his time at the Navy, he worked at a variety of oddball jobs that ended with him receiving a conviction for a con job in Michigan. It, Based off of what I was reading, it kind of seemed like Melvin was always looking for the easy way out, whether it be lying to get money or just lying to benefit himself in some kind of way. You get what I'm saying? So the con job that he was doing in Michigan, this conviction resulted in Melvin receiving a sentence to serve 90 days in jail, which he did, and when he was out, that's when he was on probation for his offenses. He decided he decided to move to Houston. And the reason being is because his mother recommended that Melvin get in touch with, his, with her sister Candy, aka his aunt, as she lived in Houston, with her business-owning, very wealthy husband. So like, hey, maybe you should get in touch with, uh, you know, my sister who can maybe help you out. So Melvin's thinking, wow, mom, thanks for the tip. That's a great idea. And he reaches out to Candy, his aunt, in hopes that, I don't know, maybe, her husband could offer him a job, offer him something, you know, to hopefully get him into into the, into the business and start making money. What transpired between Melvin and Candy was definitely different than they had intended. Their relationship as aunt and nephew was strange from the first time that they met in Houston. It was said at this time, Melvin was nearly 21 years younger than Candy and was literally her nephew by blood. But that didn't stop the two from experiencing some sexual, price. Go to your happy price,
0: price line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopifycom system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Yeah, sexual tension. It was happening. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, I mean, we could all say, well, maybe, you know, Melvin was doing this on purpose, because he knew like, he wanted to get into Candy's pockets, you know, her wallet. Or maybe he was just trying to get a leg up in the business world through her husband. Or maybe Candy was feeling some kind of way, like she, I don't know, maybe she liked having this power or authority over Melvin that left her hot and bothered. Those are just um, opinions, we don't really know. Whatever it was, their affair lasted for years. Yes, I said affair because they crossed that line, baby. Oh, they crossed it. You nasties. So, Candy would later say that her affair with her nephew was a direct response to having discovered that Jack, her husband, was gay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Candy said that. <laughs> Candy said that Jack was struck down by a mysterious illness. A mysterious illness that left him a homosexual, and this just shattered her. She had no one else to talk to, so instead she turned to her nephew for companionship, which then just led into a sexual relationship. When Jack was in his mid-60s, he started to stay at their Florida um, vacation apartment a lot longer than he normally would. Whether it was because he was tired of his marriage or maybe he just wanted to be alone while he kind of experimented, I don't know, or just explore his sexuality more. But he was distancing himself from candy. At least that was the perception she was getting. While Jack was away in Florida doing whatever it was he was doing, um, it was a lot easier for Melvin and Candy to hide their, their affair pretty much because he was never around, okay? Or at least Candy and Melvin thought their affair was a secret and no one was ever gonna know. Jack had agreed to originally help Melvin with his business ventures when he first moved to the, the home in Houston. He gave Melvin a job working as a trailer sales men He like owned a lot. Melvin worked at that lot selling trailers. Candy was the one who was in charge of mainly like financing anything that Melvin needed for his job. So Jack even allowed Melvin to move into the couple's million dollar man and live rent-free. Not long after Melvin had moved in with Candy and Jack, it's when Jack and Candy, not Jack and Candy, Candy and Melvin grew a little sloppy in the ways that they had hid their affair from Jack. It was said that Jack was not a dumbass. He knew something was going on. He didn't know it was between the two of them, but he knew like something was just going on. Now when Jack did find out the truth, what was going on between Candy and Melvin, he was like, oh heck no, you nasties. Your bloodline is not royal here and is nothing to protect, y'all are just gross. Authorities later, they reported that um, a year after Mel moved in, a coworker was the one who told Jack about what they saw going down when Jack wasn't around. This coworker also said that Melvin was kind of bragging about what he was doing with Candy and how he was doing it all for money. This is what Melvin said to the coworker. Coworker told Jack. Jack is already like, dude, Gross. So Jack goes to do some investigating for his own. So he goes looking for Candy's diary. Mm-hmm. He knows where she keeps it, so he went looking. Grabs the diary, opens it up, what does he see? Further information. He reads what Candy had written down over and over again, multiple times, on different pages. She was going on and on about how she had passionate sexual relations with her nephew, Melvin. After reading Candy's diary, that's when Jack went on to just fire and get rid of Melvin. And two officials ordered Melvin to leave the mansion or face arrest. So Melvin is just, upset, he's saying some mean things, he's telling uh, Jack he's gonna get his revenge, but he's like not going quietly, he's trying to fight, trying to stay. And Melvin left, but when he left, he claimed one day he would return, quote, as the owner of this mansion, end quote. It was said that this left Jack very, um it just sat with him and it kind of like put some fear within him. He wrote in a personal memo, quote, if Mel and Candace don't kill me first, I'll have to kill them, end quote. Well, it was said it was a personal memo, but I believe it was a diary of his own, a journal of his own. So it was said directly after this whole fight went down, Jack had kicked Melvin out of their house in this big blow up. Jack and Candy, their relationship just went south Neither Candy nor Jack felt as though they could trust each other anymore. Neither party really respected the other enough to have a healthy, loving relationship again. They both obviously wanted two different lifestyles. In turn, they formally separated later that year. Even though the couple separated, Jack was still providing Candy with a $5,000 weekly allowance to keep her wealthy lifestyle. This would be nearly $45,000. $45,000 today will equal to $45,000 today. So he's still giving her an allowance to make her happy pretty much, okay? Despite the fact that the two obviously wanted legal separation from um, each other, neither of them wanted to be the first to file for divorce. Firstly, their relationship was heavily public as their social status made them increasingly more popular as the years went on. The nature of Jack being gay is something that would be considered normal today, but this was the 1960s. So he feared that outing himself or candy outing him would result in people People losing respect for him and overall just losing everything. So, in a way, Jack was like, I don't really want to <laughs> I don't want to stir the pot in a way because Candy kind of she could say something and it would really it would could ruin his life. Candy, on the other hand, she didn't want the public to know that she had been cheating on her husband and not just cheating on her husband with her own nephew. Um, because yeah, I mean, that wasn't going to be well received. So Candy's like, well, I don't want to start the divorce because Jack could say that I've been having sex with a nephew. It's going to ruin my life. So both are kind of like... You say something, I'm gonna say something, you know? On top of just the general perception reasons, the two were worth a lot of money together. If Jack decided to file for divorce, he would have to split all of his wealth with her per their prenuptial agreement, their prenup. If Candy decided to file first, she would only receive $200,000, which was not worth it in her eyes. I mean, that's like only one Birkin bag. How dare he? I mean, I'm sure a lot of us would be like, yeah, I'll take the 200,000, that's good. The only way for Candy and Melvin to receive all 33 million of Jack's net worth was if Jack wound up dead. On June 29th, 1964, Canny decided to take her four adopted children to see their father at his Florida apartment. And this is where Jack was living pretty much full time after their separation at the Florida uh, vacation home. But he's living there full time now. So she takes the kids over there to go to visit We guess, I don't know. They only stayed for a little bit at Jack's apartment, uh, just for a few hours. And during that time, Candy complained that her head was just pounding. She had a migraine. Throughout Candy's life, it was said that she suffered from migraines that were often debilitating. You know, this excuse that her head was hurting, it sounded about right. It wasn't something that was weird. So after a couple hours, it was said that Candy was just tired of, of being in pain. So she decided to take the four children into her car and they drove off to a nearby emergency room in hopes that the medical staff could help alleviate her migraine. Just moments after Candy left Jack's apartment, an intruder broke in through the front door. He just walked in, I guess. But there was some kind of scuffle that had taken place between the intruder and Jack. Sadly, the intruder brutally stabbed Jack in the chest and the stomach repeatedly, around 39 times in total. The intruder, frustrated with Jack for not dying quick enough, I guess, they took something heavy to then smash over Jack's head, which killed him instantly. When Candy and her children returned to Jack's apartment around four in the morning, Which is like, what are you doing? Well, whatever. (laughs) So at four in the morning, they come back to the home and they find uh, Jack, who is just wrapped up in a blood-soaked blanket and is just... Dead. Candy called the police immediately upon discovering her husband's remains, and when local law enforcement arrived at the scene of the crime, they knew immediately that Jack's murder was a crime of passion. And they knew this because of how many stab wounds there were. I mean, it was screaming, hey, this is personal. And I should have gone into a little bit deeper explanation, I guess, about how they knew that. It's very fascinating. They could tell if it's um, investigators went on. They can tell if it's somebody who knew the victim just based off of how the attack went down, which I find fascinating. I'm losing my voice, what is going on? Not the point though, but they knew it was a crime of passion. So investigators quickly began interviewing or asking questions uh, from the neighbors. And some of the neighbors had remarked that they heard um, like a panicked shouting happening and various thuds happening uh, in the direction of Jack's unit. Sorry about that little guy. One neighbor said that they saw like a dark haired man in dark clothing fleeing the premises almost immediately after the commotion had stopped, but they didn't get a good look at who it was. So Candy, Candy on the other hand, informed investigators of Jack, his tendencies to take home strange men and suggested that, you know, maybe this could have been an act of a jealous lover. So police of course took this into consideration and tried to track down any men who had personal relationships with Jack, but at some point early on in the investigation, law enforcement located Jack's personal diary. Yes. Inside this diary, they came across pages upon pages of just weird and like eerie comments concerning Candy and Melvin. So in this diary investigators could tell that Jack was genuinely afraid of his wife and her and her lover, incestuous lover I must say, that they might kill him for his money. It's This is what he's writing in his diary. Uh So this alone was enough for investigators to start to focus their investigation on Melvin and Candy a little bit more. So back at Jack's home, crime scene investigators, hold on. So back at Jack's home, crime scene investigators found bloody fingerprints on Jack's countertops. They run these bloody fingerprints uh, through, you know, their system, and voila baby, it matched Melvin. One of Jack's cars was stolen, one of them, you know. It was the one that Candy usually drove around. Anywho, so they find Jack's car near a local airport. It was reported stolen, so when they find it, they're like, okay here it is, so let... <laughs> I'm sure it was more than that. I feel like I'm making this more confusing. Stolen car, it was Jack's car. Now it was found uh, near a local airport and was searched. And of course, like inside, they find a bloody fingerprint. Um, They ran it through the system. Melvin, it was linked to Melvin again. Melvin, you're a little sloppy. As it turned out, Melvin had been seen in Miami over the same few days that Jack's murder took place. It only took a few days for police to locate and arrest Melvin for the murder of Jack. When word got back to Candy about Melvin's arrest, she hired the top defense attorney to represent Melvin. I mean the best of the best. But police wholeheartedly believe that Melvin did not act alone. They believed that Melvin was working closely with Candy Mossler to murder Jack Mossler for his money. Shortly after Melvin's arrest, Candy was then taken into custody for her assumed association in her husband's murder as well. Candy knew she wouldn't do well behind bars. Locked up, no, it's not gonna work for me. So she hired a team of lawyers to make sure she never served a day in jail. Now, for over a year after the murders, both Candy and Melvin were free on bond. Don't get me started. (laughs) At the parish trial, Candy and Melvin consistently asserted their innocence. The prosecution team presented a case showing Melvin and Candy wanted Jack dead so they could be together and inherit his millions. It was estimated that Jack's estate was worth over 200 million in gross value and 22 million in net value, over 1.6 billion gross and over 177 million in net value today. So a lot of money, okay? Like a lot of money, if you had 177 million, you'd be good for the rest of your life. The prosecution, backed up their claim of, of an affair with photographs of Candy and Melvin that they had taken together. The couple, they seemed to travel a lot together and documented their trips with photos of them on ski slopes, at concerts, and in nightclubs. Just cheese, like taking pictures together wherever they went. So they brought these into the courtroom and they told the jury, look, this happy couple, look at them. Here is the motive. They wanted the money. They told the jury that Jack had recently learned of his wife's affair with her nephew. And in response, Jack was planning a divorce and dropping her from his will. Now this sudden change of events is what caused Melvin to fly from Houston to Miami. He was seen driving Candy's white car around the time of the murder in the area. Then hours before the time of death, Melvin was at this place called the Stuffed Shirt Lounge, which was a lounge bar area, but it was right by Jack's apartment and he was spotted there, Melvin was. Before leaving, Melvin had asked the bartender for an empty bottle of Coke. The prosecution said that he left the bar and headed to Jack's apartment with the Coke bottle in hand. It's believed or it was argued that this was the weapon Melvin used to strike Jack in the head, an empty Coke can. Like the real glass Coke bottles, those are pretty hardcore, I think. Yes, that sounds about right. Then the killer used a knife to stab the victim 39 times. Candy's part in the murder was making sure that her husband was home alone. She had claimed to have a migraine and then insisted on on taking the kids, the four children with her to drive around for nearly three hours, three and a half hours. She didn't go to the urgent care like she had said she did. She instead would just drove around for three and a half hours. They called witnesses who testified that Candy had spoken to them about trying to find someone to kill her husband. The prosecution is, is painting a f- picture that all signs point to Melvin and Candy. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. They got the motive. We've got witnesses who said that Candy was asking if someone could kill her husband. I mean, it's clear as day, right? The defense team came back and fought that the bloody fingerprints that were found in the home slash car could have been there from days before. For all anyone knew, this was before DNA testing. So, all they knew was that there was blood and like bloody fingerprints and stuff, but not who the blood belonged to. So they're trying to fight like, well, yeah, there's bloody fingerprints and stuff, but we don't know how it got there. Could have been left there from a couple days before. I mean, it's wild, you guys, it could happen. Candy took the stand testifying that on many occasions, she and her children had come home and found Jack involved with a male lover. The defense said that any one of the random men Jack picked up could have killed him. And it's not fair to blame it on Candy or Melvin. To you and I, I feel like, well, this is easy. Right. Well, <laughs> the jury took over 16 hours to deliberate and they returned with a verdict, a verdict of not effing guilty. <laughs> what? what, 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 yep, not guilty. They claim that they found insufficient evidence to convict the couple of murder. Despite all of the evidence that were presented to the jury, the diaries, the love affair, the motive, the witnesses, not guilty. Now, the jury, they acknowledged their illicit love affair, but noted that the affair in itself did not mean that they were responsible for Jack's murder. All of the evidence presented at trial turned out to be far too circumstantial for any guilty sentencing, for any guilty sentencing. There we go. They just felt like it really didn't prove that they indeed did it. The media was reporting on all of this and people were losing their shit because like, oh, money, an affair, Jack being possibly gay, Candy having an affair with her nephew. When I tell you people were losing their shit, like they were losing it. This story was just like insane. And it got to the point where they had to shut the doors to the, the court hearing itself. It was just seen as too extreme, too sexual for people to handle. They would not allow anybody to like come in and whatnot. It was wild. Heads were exploding left and right based off of what I was reading and like hearing. So after her win um, in court, Candy did what she did best. She was like, you know what, everyone, I'm gonna throw a party. So she threw a party um, celebrating that, the, <laughs> that they were found not guilty, God. Her children took one of the murder trial posters that had been around town to the guests and had them all like sign it as a souvenir. They framed it. Yay. As a result, Candy and Melvin walked free for a murder that many are positive they committed. Like Candy had hoped and dreamed for, she inherited her husband's estate and his banking business. She changed the name of the company to Candace Mosler Enterprises. What a shitty person she is. Wow. And just a year after winning their trial, Candy and Melvin split, but she went on to inherit her deceased husband's millions and even remarried in 1971 to a man named Barnett. But so strange, you guys, we don't know. She just has a wild life. Barnett, he's. <laughs> Is it Barnett? You see, what happened was um, Barnett, he suffered brain damage the next year in a mysterious fall from the couple's mansion's balcony. And he suffered from some serious brain damage and was in a coma. And Candy was like, I'm out. Bye. Okay, so then in 1976, Candy's body was found in a Miami hotel room. She was dressed only in a lace robe and she had on a full face of makeup, as she always did. She had overdosed at 55 years old. Some sources say that she was 62 years old, another source said she was 66 years old, and honestly I didn't verify because I just felt like it was very fitting. How old was she? Nobody knows. You never ask a lady how old she is, ooh. Melvin and Candy, again, they split. And when he found out that Candy had died, he did attend Candy's funeral with his hot new little boo thing and by Then, at that point, he had become a flamboyant real estate developer in Houston. Oh yeah, he went on to have a very successful life. He was said to always dress head to toe in very expensive attire. He owned a huge luxury yacht. And by 1979, Melvin had built a fortune estimated to be worth $200 million. He also drew attention in the early 1980s by adding 23 feet to his 142 foot yacht, which was said to be one of the largest in the Western Hemisphere. (laughs) Wow Melvin, you're really doing it Melvin groundbreaking. Melvin was like in and out of bankruptcy. He had filed bankruptcy a couple times, but then he would like bounce back. So something sketchy was going on, I don't know. And at the age of 68, Melvin was found dead at his home in Houston. The Harris County Institute of Forensic Sciences said that the cause of death remained undetermined. That my friends is a story about Candy and Jack Mosler and Candy's just, what do I even name? Who, poor Jack, poor, poor, Jack, he seemed like such a great guy and he totally just got taken advantage of by this devil woman. That's why I'm calling her a devil woman. What happened to the four adopted children you ask? Well, I don't know. I didn't look into it because just leave them alone. They've been through enough. I don't want, you know? What did we learn here, my friends? Well, if you are wealthy in this country, you can and probably will get away with murder. Isn't it fun? Stories like these, they get under my skin so bad. Oh, if you have money, you get away with anything. It's so effed up. And you could say, well, Bailey, this, this was from the 60s or whatever, the early 70s. Okay, well, let me find some new stories then that are very similar to this. Maybe not as like, you know, scandalous, but they're out there because I read them all the time. I like to torture myself. That's how I feel. Thank you so much. I mean, talk about a wild story, you know? I just truly don't understand how they didn't, yes, I do, money, money. Let me know your thoughts down below. Anywho, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Let me know who you want me to talk about next week. Please, please, please make good choices out there. Be safe and I'll be seeing you guys later, bye.